Wow, it's wonderful to be here. Good to be with you. And it is an exciting series, isn't it? Revealed, revealed. God revealing himself through his names. And I can sense that there is such a hunger for him, <clears throat> a sense of expectancy as we are seeking his face. We really are. He's doing a new thing here. It's a time of refreshing. And I can just sense that God has a beautiful plan for today in each life. As I've prayed before today, I've sensed him saying, I know you, each one, I know you. I've seen you being intricately formed in your mother's womb. I know all about you. You're sitting down, you're rising. The very hairs of your head are numbered. He knows you. And this is a special time where it's a divine appointment that you are here and that as we share his word and look more into how he reveals himself. I pray that we would just draw closer and closer, that we will be more and more filled with him, and that we will start expressing his life here on earth, wherever we go. So, revealed the name of God. What are we doing today? Well, it's been a fantastic series. Last week, I don't know if you were here for Denise, wasn't that amazing? <laughs> she spoke on Elohim, the name of God, Elohim, that's first mentioned, Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. And as Richard said, he created nothing. Out of nothing, he created this world. The galaxies spun into space out of nothing. Elohim, the creator. Elohim also means powerful, mighty God. He's not just a creator, but he's a communicator. He talked with Adam and Eve. And he's a miracle-working God. He works outside of his laws of nature. Elohim. But Elohim is actually a, a generic title. It's like sir or madam or master. It's a title. But does God have a name? Yes, he does. He has a name, a personal, private name, like Fred or Bill or Joe or Sue, God has a name. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The actual name of God, what it means, and how we really get to know him. Marcus talked about the many facets of God, like a diamond that reflects different parts of his nature. And as we get to know him, we'll know him maybe as God who heals or God who shows mercy, or God who is with us so that we're not alone. But all of these are just different ways of getting to know God. Today, we're going to know the actual name of God. And what is that? Well, it's so interesting that in the Bible, this name of God, that is his personal name, is mentioned 6,828 times. Do you know what it is? 6,000 times. Elohim is mentioned two and a half thousand times. But this name, the private personal name of God, is mentioned 6,828 times. It's an extraordinary name because Hebrew was written with consonants only, no vowels until much later. So the name of God is four letters, Y-H-W-H. I'm sure you knew that. Y-H-W-H. Nobody knows exactly how it was pronounced, which is an amazing thing. You know why? 
Because in Exodus 20, verse 7, it says, you shall not take the name of your God in vain. And so the religious leaders said, we're not going to take it in vain. We won't even say it. And then in Leviticus 24, it says, do not blaspheme the name of the Lord because you will be put to death. So the rabbis were very, very edgy. They're saying, we're not even going to say the name of God. So they never said that word aloud in case they would do the wrong thing. But they wrote it. It's here all these thousands of times. So what they said instead was Adonai, or Lord. And that's the name that they used. But it's not the actual name of God. It's Yahweh. Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh in Hebrew, Jehovah in English. And the way we get to that is when you put the vowels in between the Y-H-W-H, you get the Yahweh in Hebrew, and you get Jehovah in English, because the Latin translation, they couldn't do a Y, so they put a J instead. So it's J-Jehovah. That is the name of God. And we may not know how it's pronounced because the temple was destroyed in AD 70 and nobody actually spoke that name because it was such a sacred name that was so revered. But we know what his name means and we today can speak his name Jehovah or Yahweh. The name of God, what it means is so amazing. And the way we know about this is from Moses, from Exodus chapter 3. We know that as God started revealing himself to Moses, he shared that he is the great I am. The name Jehovah comes from the root chava, which means life. He's not a dead God, he is alive. And part of that name is the unchangeable God, the God of great love, the God of great compassion. So come with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 13 to 15. What we know is that Moses grew up in Egypt. He was a Hebrew baby. He was rescued in the bulrushes, and then he grew up in the palace of Pharaoh. But he knew he was a Hebrew, and one day, he saw an Egyptian smite a Hebrew slave. And so Moses looked left, right, nobody was watching. He struck that Egyptian and killed him. And then he buried him in the sand. And the next day, Moses saw two Hebrews fighting. And he said, don't. And they said, will you kill us like you killed that Egyptian? And Moses was terrified, especially when Pharaoh was angry. So Moses fled like any respectable young boy who'd grown up in a palace. He was dead scared. He fled to the backside of the desert. He went to Sinai. And Moses was there for 40 years. And I always picture Moses, this smooth-shaven Egyptian-type person in the palace with a great education, hiding away in shame. And so often that is us, isn't it? We haven't lived life the way we expected or hoped. Something has gone wrong, maybe we had an outburst, and suddenly we find ourselves in the back end of nowhere, leading a, such an insignificant life, and we feel such a failure. But it was at that place that God met Moses. It's remarkable. I can picture him 40 years later, 
matted hair, smelling of sheep, because he was looking after Jethro's sheep, dirty toenails. You can imagine his sandals were all sort of gnarled. And he was walking along in, this, in the deserts, looking after the sheep, and he saw this bush. Now, in the backside of the desert, there are not many bushes, are there? It's just sand and sand and sand. So he must have passed that bush many times. But it wasn't any old bush. That bush was alive with the presence of God. It was a fiery, fiery, amazing sight. So he drew near, and the voice came and said, Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. And you can read about it in Exodus 3, this amazing encounter of a man who thought he'd failed. He was 80 years old. He was old. He thought he'd, he'd lost it. He wasn't ever without hope because God met him. And this is what we read in Exodus 3.15. I want you to go to Israel because I want to set the captives free. Moses said to God, but if I go to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your ancestors sent me, then the people will ask, what is his name? You see, there's such significance in a name. It's the essence of who the person is. What should I tell them, Moses asked. And God said to him, tell them, and here we have it. <laughs> this is where we first see the YHWH, this amazing I am who I am. He's saying, when you go to the people of Israel, tell them, I am sent you. The name Jehovah, Yahweh, pulsates with life. He is so alive. And those of us who know him, who call on his name, who put our trust in him, he quickens us into a new dimension of being alive that we never knew before. God also said to Moses, this is what you should tell the people. Yahweh is the God of your ancestors, of the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. My name will always be Yahweh. This is how the people will know me for generations and generations to come. Tell the people, Yahweh has sent me to you. So Moses asked, who shall I say sends me? He was so nervous and reluctant, he would say, how can I go? And God says, I will be with you and tell them my name. I am who I am. I sent you. Yahweh sent you. God has a name. Now Mark has given us these books that are available in the bookshop. The Names of God by Marilyn Hickey and God Has a Name by John Mark Comer. I really recommend that you get those because as you start reading and as you start learning, you will start discovering more and more how God reveals himself. And you know the most remarkable thing about the name Jehovah? It means the revealed one, the one who reveals himself, the one who keeps on revealing himself. So when we get to know God, he just keeps opening more and more who he is to us. Call on me, he says in Jeremiah, and I will answer you. And I will tell you deep and hidden things you never knew before. Just when we think we've got to the end, he just keeps revealing, because that's the God he is. So, Moses then went to Pharaoh, boisted up, and look how amazing God is. He's just showing his might and his strength. He goes to Moses goes to Pharaoh, 
And Ferris, of course, doesn't want to let his people go. It's more than a million in his workforce. He doesn't want them to disappear. So his heart is hardened and he says no. And look at these amazing things that, does, that God does. As Denise said, God works outside of the laws of nature. So Moses threw his rod down, it became a snake because the Egyptians worshiped snakes. If you've seen the headdresses of pharaohs, they had the snake at the top. So he just said, he is above that God. The Nile was another God that the Egyptians worshiped. It was an Elohim. He said, I can turn the Nile into blood. Their sacred river. Another thing they worshipped was frogs. They had a frog god called Hiki, and the Egyptians worshipped frogs. So God thought, if you want frogs, I'll send frogs. Thousands of frogs, a plague of frogs. And they thought, no, stop it. God was showing he is, I am. He is more powerful than anything that they could throw at him. And then they worshipped the sun god, Ra, or Aram Ra. So what did God do? He blotted out the sun. Three days of pitch black darkness. That's who our God is. Well, we can read on about it in Exodus. Ten plagues and eventually the people came out. What interests me is the transformation in Moses from being this reluctant person who was afraid and hiding, how God is making him bolder, speaking with more authority, because there's a transformation when you start to know God and know his names and understand how he works, he started to work in Moses in a way that was transforming him completely. Let's look at Exodus 6, 2-3. This is different now when you see the Elohim, the creator God. He's saying, God said to Moses, I am the Lord Yahweh. That's capital letters is always when it's Jehovah or Yahweh. That's my name. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they called me God Almighty, powerful, El Shaddai, but they didn't know my name. It's a personal, intimate relationship name. The Lord, in capital letters, Yahweh, Jehovah. You see, Elohim, this amazing, mighty, powerful God, is a creation name, but Jehovah is a relational name. We can really know him. Many people have really missed it because they, they love to go to church, they love to sing the songs, they, they love all the bits and pieces, but they don't have the relationship. And it's only when you have the relationship of personally knowing him that your life really starts to change and you begin to know who he is. In Hebrew, it's Yahweh. And in English, it's Jehovah. That is God's name. And we can call on him with those names. He revealed himself. So let's just summarize. Jehovah is the God who reveals himself. He wants us to know him. He's a God of blessing. He wanted to take people out of captivity. And that's what he does with us today. All those things that are traps that are stopping you and you and you and me, living in the fullness of the abundant life that he's planned. That's what he wants to take us out of and set us truly free. 
That's what he wants to do. What a great God. He's a God of blessing. He's a God of love. I am, he says. Not I may be, I might be, I could be. I am. <laughs> and I will be. I will be for you. And he started to convince Moses in a way that made Moses want more and more and more of him. Don't you want more of him? <laughs> I do. I want more of him. I know we are set for revival in this church because we have a hunger for him. And this is the way it goes. When you get to really know him, you want more of him. So from this timid man that Moses was cowering, we read in Exodus 33, verse 10, that he, he was a friend of God. He spoke to God as a friend. Isn't that amazing? The transformation through relationship. Let's have a look at Exodus 33, verse 18. Moses had said to God, I want to know you more. I want to really understand who you are. I don't want to go from this place unless I have your presence. And then he says these words, now show me your glory. That's a big, bold statement, isn't it? Show me your glory. And how does God answer? I love this. The Lord said, and it's the Lord in capital letters, which is Yahweh, his name, his personal private name, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Do you see that his name, the essence of who he is, is goodness? It's a beautiful God of love and of goodness. I'll cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And here it is. I will proclaim my name. There's so much of who my name is. That's the glory. You will know me. I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. That's his character. And I will have compassion on those who have compassion. You cannot see my face because you can't see me and live. But I will show you my name, my person, my essence of who I am. And we know that Moses got the Ten Commandments when he came down from this glorious time. The people were down there and they had a golden calf that they were worshiping. I mean, come on, this mighty God. So Moses was angry, he smashed the tablets, but God never gave up. He said, Moses, one more time up the mountain, make more tablets. He's a God of goodness. He's a God of unending love. And when we look at Exodus 34, verse 4 to 7, we see that he's taken up the those tablets like the first ones up Mount Sinai and the Lord's commanded him and he's carried the two tablets of stone in his hand and the Lord came down and stood in the cloud there with him and proclaimed his name. <laughs> There's so much power in his name. The Lord. And now this is the key part and this whole book that Mark has written is all about this verse. It's amazing. You've got to go deeper and understand. The Lord, the Lord. Here's God himself saying, Yahweh, my name. Jehovah, my name. He's saying it twice because he's just feeling this so intensely. The compassionate and gracious God. That's who he is. Compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This is who he is. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, sin. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He will deal with them. 
but he is a God of love, of compassion. He's gracious and slow to anger. And these phrases of who he is, Yahweh, is repeated right throughout the Bible, these exact phrases. And if you start reading the book of Kings, of Chronicles, of Psalms, you will get the same thing. It's like a beautiful theme that's just playing over and over again. This is his nature. This is our God. We can draw close to him and love him. The best part is just to begin. Are you ready? <laughs> Throughout the centuries, God was proclaiming who he is, the God of love, the God of graciousness, the God of compassion, the God of mercy, the God of forgiveness. But nobody seemed to listen. So he sent Jesus. Now just listen to this. We know that Jesus was God who came to earth, who broke into time and space, who grew up and we could see God. We could hear God. We could touch. He worked miracles. He was like no one else before. He taught with authorities, but he came to die. He was the Lamb of God, who was the sacrifice as well as the Savior. But now, listen to this for the names. It should come up on the screen. The short form of Jehovah, Y-O-H-O-V-A-H, those four consonants, is Yah, Y-A-H, or just a Y. That is Jehovah, this powerful I am, the revealing one, the compassionate one. That's Jehovah, could be Yah. Combined with the word Shua, which means salvation, or saves, what do you get? Jeshua, Jesus. So you know, so often when we're just praying, we're saying the name Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Do you know what you're saying? You're saying Jehovah, which is the name he says, call me on. You're saying Jehovah saves. So if you're sitting feeling alone and you're saying Jesus, Jehovah saves. He's going to rescue you out of that situation to proclaim his greatness and his goodness over you. Jesus, Jeshua. Joshua was another version of it, but it means Jehovah saves. Now, isn't it astounding that this Jesus Christ, who died for us, rose from the dead, and we're going to be celebrating Easter soon, made these astounding claims. John 14, verse 9, he says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen me, you've seen Jehovah, God. We read in Hebrews that he is exact likeness of the invisible God, that he is the radiant glory of God in bodily form. He is the great I am. And he actually came where we could see and touch and know him personally. There's so many parallels of what you read in the Old Testament, like Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, and then you read John 1-1, in the beginning was the Word. Jesus is the same. In Deuteronomy, we won't look it up in the screen because it's a bit quick. Deuteronomy 10-17 says, Jehovah is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. And in the book of Revelation, 
Doesn't this take on a new meaning now? Revelation. It's the God who reveals himself. That's why we have revelation. He's the one who reveals. He wants you to know he's, I am, he's alive. Revelation 17, 14 says, with Jesus, who's the lamb, he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Do you see the same descriptions that are used for Jehovah are used for Jesus? Because he is Jehovah saves. Now this is the knockout verse. I'm sure you're ready for it. John chapter 8, verses 56 to 58. Jesus is talking now to a lot of Jewish people who would have known, I am. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he was to see my day, said Jesus. He saw it and was glad. The Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Isn't that astounding? Praise you, Lord. <laughs> before Abraham was, I am. Now Jesus would have known the full significance. That is the name, this sacred, revered name that they were so terrified to even speak out aloud in case they were struck dead, they thought. So here he's saying before Abraham was, I am. It's astounding. No wonder they picked up stones and they wanted to kill him. They couldn't equate that this man that was walking with them, talking with them, teaching was Jehovah incarnate. But he was, he is. Jesus knew the full significance of that. He called himself I am, which is the title of God. He's taught so much that I am the bread of life. So if you are hungry, he is all you need. I am the light of the world. If you feel you've actually been living in a dimness, he is the light of the world. And he says, I am, over and over. I am the door. You want to get into heaven? You want to start experiencing the abundance of God? I am the door. I am the good shepherd. And in fact, if you go through, there are so many, in fact, they say about a thousand names of God in the Old Testament, combination names of Elohim and Jehovah. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of every one of those. He says, I am the good shepherd, Jehovah Rathi. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Remember I said the name of Jehovah was life, to be alive, Shava. Jesus is saying, I am that. <laughs> I am the life. So he's saying, come to me. I am the true vine. Would the band come up, please, as we just go into this last part? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, we know, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat drops of blood. He was in agony because he was fully man, but he was fully God.
And he knew that the whole reason he'd come to earth was to be the sacrifice as well as the savior. He knew he would go to the cross and that that was before him. But he knew that he would rise from the dead and that he would draw all men and women to him. And we read that in the silence of the agony of Gethsemane, there was suddenly a bustling, there were torches, there were lanterns, he could hear weapons clanging, and Judas came with a cohort, which is 600 people, 600 men Judas came, with the chief priests, the rabbis, the Pharisees, and officers. They all came into this Garden of Gethsemane, which is like an olive grove for those who've been there. There was noise and bustling and light, and Jesus went out to meet them. We read in John 18, 5, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom do you seek? He knew very well. And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth, the man. They didn't know who he was. But Jesus said to them, I am he. <laughs> he declared, I am. <laughs> he just broke through their little limitations. And this is what I love. As soon as he had said to them, I am, with such authority, he, they all fell backwards and fell on the ground. It was like dominoes. You know, the power of God can hit and we can just fall before him. He is so big and so powerful. But that's because of who Jesus Christ is. We read in Solomon's temple that when the glory of God came down, they all fell forward. <laughs> they just bowed before him. And I want you to rise, please, now. Would you stand? And would we just open ourselves to the living God, the great I am, the revealed one, who is full of compassion and grace, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And let's give him the glory and the praise because we don't have to look for his glory. Jesus said, I have come so that you can have life and Christ in you is your hope of glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.